So today's woman rising is my friend Roz Day, who actually I don't know that well, but um, I'll tell you the story. Uh, one day we were invited to a party in a really wonderful house mm. um, in Spain, some friends of ours that we, we both know, and there was Roz and her husband Nick. And so we arrived with the kids and we ended up sitting next to her. And because I like to talk, we just struck up this conversation and I just thought to myself, wow, super interesting. Um, and then I, now that I'm doing my podcast, I thought, well, it would be lovely to have Roz on. So right at the beginning, like over a year ago, nearly, I told Roz, we must do a chat. Uh, and um, yeah, we tried to arrange coffee and meeting up in between. I don't know how many times and never got down to it. But here she is. Ros Day, welcome to Thank my house. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's very kind of you. And um, I find it funny that you WhatsApp me and said, um, what am I going to talk about? Are people going to find me interesting? I don't know. That first meeting, I thought you were great. You were fun and full of beans. And you've, you're a diplomat or you have been a diplomat and you've been married to Nick Pyle, who's who's um, ex-deputy governor. That's right, yeah. So the, the, the life has taken you to many places, and I just thought that you could share some of your anecdotes, some of the places that you've lived with us, because travelling is, is one of the best things in the world, apart from eating, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> travelling and eating are my favourite things. So, yeah, true, um, true. let's start at the beginning. So where are you from? I'm from Gloucestershire, Dursley in Gloucestershire. It's um, not the most exciting counties, I have no, to say. It's beautiful. No, beautiful. I think you appreciate it when been, you're older. I've been to Gloucester City Centre, which was <laughs> oh dear, bloody awful. <laughs> we went. I remember once. It's near Oxfordshire, so I think we not we, far. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So no, I grew up there, and um, at 18, I was going off to university, and then Mum saw an advert for the diplomatic service. Um, and so she decided to sort of apply for me because okay. I'd, done, I'd um, done French and Spanish at A-level and with history. And, well, after a long process, I went into the uh, Foreign Office when I was only 19, so I didn't go to university. Wow, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. you didn't have to have a degree to get no, into the, because to the was, Foreign Office? I was very junior. I was, you know, doing clerical work and communications, and uh, it was a long time ago. Was it a big fuss to apply for such a job in the Foreign Office, like loads of paperwork, loads of forms? Yes, yes. And, <coughs> you know, the vetting Sorry. and everything. So, um, no, it was it was quite something, and I know that there was an awful lot of applicants, so... So I was. I, I didn't actually think I'd get in. Actually, one of my teachers said that I wouldn't get in because of my ac accent. So that oh. was really uh, motivating. Oh from one gosh, of the teachers. Accent? What? Well, yeah, I know my Gloucestershire accent. But anyway, I did, and so I joined Energy Science and Space Department. And having failed my physics O level, I thought that was really good that I'd actually been put into something that I knew nothing about. Anyway, so I spent two years there. And while I was there, I, I uh, did another A-level in law and I learned German through the Foreign Office. And they sent me off to the Aspergesamt, the German Foreign Office, sent us off, five of us off to um, universities in Germany. So I went what? to Heidelberg for a month. And then I was posted to Bonn, which was my first posting. To Bonn. When it was the capital. Yeah. So Berlin, of course, is the capital now. now. But Bonn was my first posting. <clears throat> and and for, at a very young age. I mean, oh, gosh, yes, I was 20. A girl, yeah. Mm. So, but how fun! I mean, mm, your mum definitely knew what she was doing. I know. I always she yeah. She yeah. was quite clever in the sense to to. She probably knew what you were like, and yeah, you were she, probably a bit adventurous even in those days. Well, I was a little bit 
a little bit rebellious. A little bit rebellious, a little bit naughty at school. But yes, yes, I was, uh, no, I was, yeah, definitely the right thing. I found the two years in London quite tricky. I had a boyfriend in Dursley and all of this. And I used to always have to help out with Dad's newspaper. So he'd call me up and say, you know, could you come back and deliver the papers on Sunday? And I'd say, yes, Dad, of course I can. And off I'd trot back down to Dursley. Um, I missed I missed it, and I found yeah. we were in a we were in a we were put in a <laughs> we were put in a hostel in Paddington, and um, I walked over from Queensway from the tube down about half past five, and all these these men were sort of waving at me, and I thought, oh, aren't they friendly? Aren't these people friendly? They were sort of, and I was sort of looking, and and I got back to the hostel, and I said to the girls in my room, there's five of us in a room. And I said, oh, there's some very friendly people. They were all wanting to give me a lift. Well, then they explained to me that they thought I was doing something other than just walking home. So I was so green. I knew nothing. 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 Mm. So, um, But yeah. you learn. You learn as you go along. I did. I certainly did. Oh, yeah. And what was going to Bonn like living in Germany? Yes, it was amazing. It was really amazing when we got there. Two and a half years I spent in Bonn and we travelled around Europe. You know, there's a group of us that were young. And uh, we just made the most of it with travelling. So we saw, I think we went everywhere, you know, just Why got in the car. We even drove down to, we even <clears throat> drove down to Fuengirola from Bonn overnight. <laughs> what? And when we got there, somebody was in the apartment that our friend had left us. Oh, my gosh. So, yes, that was quite, that was good fun. But all, but all along you were working? Yes. And what were you doing? Oh, just at that point it was just um, filing papers, classified papers and communications. So I remember being on call when we had a bomb at Rhein-Darlin um, and when Hess died, just a long time ago. But you know, all those sort of things. And so it was very, it was sort of junior work. Um, but super interesting. It was very interesting. It was very interesting. Mm. And then just at the end of Bond, the HR came over and they asked me if I would become a, a Middle East Africa floater. <laughs> I know, and I wouldn't say that anymore. No. But, you know, somebody What's... who troubleshooted and went off around that area to... Um, and I was... Uh, I just felt that it was too much for me. I didn't have the confidence to do it. So I said I, I actually turned it down, which was just... I can't believe I did that now. So they sent me off to Fiji for the second coup. Oh, I don't know what to say about no, that no. then. Fiji is yeah. pretty cool. It, no, I, yes, it was. It was. I arrived in October 87 and we were, we were in a curfew and it was quite something to, to go over there. So it was quite dangerous there. politically. Oh, yeah, politically it was, <clears> but uh, we, were, we were very safe. There was no, no bombs going off or no gunfire or anything, but we were um, under curfew from about 8 o'clock at night. We had to go back to our homes. And um, oh. so I was due to be there for three months. I had one suitcase, and I ended up staying there nine months for various reasons. And at the end of that, I actually said to the foreign office, I think I could actually be a... Middle East after later. <laughs> Every time I say that word, I think I shouldn't. But anyway, uh, and then I did nine, ten months of training in the UK. Training for? For all sorts of different jobs. Consular, okay, visas, so just, communications, just, everything okay. that they all, needed. Everything that the diplomatic service. That's right. Well, what is being a diplomat? I mean, apart from being diplomatic, which I'm not, I would be crap at a job like that. Well, I'm not sure that you, Somewhere, I think you'd probably be very good at it, actually. Maybe, because I'm a good communicator. That's but right. That's what you need. That's yeah? right. But what about the keeping things confidential? Mm. And, because it's all highly classified, mm. so... 
that mm. element of it might might because knowing me, I'd put my foot into it somewhere. How did you how did you deal with all that? Well, you just do. You just mm. know what you can say and what you can't say, and who you're speaking to. And I remember I was at. Um, a cocktail party. We were recognising the government of Fiji. It had actually been the Commonwealth that decided that it could come back in because actually it had been sort of suspended and we were recognising the new government. And there were rumours of a third coup. And I'd been late sending my telexes off to London and I was told by the ambassador to stand where I should stand and I stood there. And this lovely Fijian came over to me and I missed his name at the beginning of the conversation. I'd have a really nice chat to him about, you know, life in Fiji and he was asking me about my boyfriend, you know, and all of this. And I was chatting to him about his wife, who was very, very ill at the time. Oh. And we had, we, we, we had this lovely conversation. And then the charges for the New Zealand embassy and the Australian embassy came over and I could see them in the corner of my eye and I'm thinking, oh. And then they happened. said, but no, they said, Ratumeli... Uh, how nice to see you here. And I thought, oh, my God, he's the man who's supposed to be leading the third coup. And I've been chatting to him about my boyfriend and everything else. Oh, my God. So, anyway, the next day, the High Commissioner or the Ambassador, because they changed that night when they recognised the... Uh, he said, so what, what was what he talking you about? <laughs> what was going on? I said, oh, oh, well... He's just talking um, about my boyfriend. <laughs> I know his wife's very ill, you know, but... Um, no, you sort of learnt as you went along, really. So then I went floating and I start off in Senegal and then Bombay, issuing visas, and then Angola. I went to Angola twice, which was quite difficult to live in. Um, well, yeah, well, um, you were obviously representing the crown yes. everywhere you went. Yes. So you had, you were in a gated community? Not in bit? Angola, no. We had two... We had two, uh, two Houses on the, near the airport, actually, and there was very little security there. And one evening, um, there was gunfire outside our house, and uh, we actually uh, there was gunfire into the balcony where I ended up on the underneath the bed. And then I thought I'd sort of dreamt it. Mm. And the next morning, my neighbours said, um, "Oh, look! Oh, there's, there's glass and everything." And we thought we'd heard gunfire, and I thought, "Gosh, that was close." Mm. Um, it didn't didn't really scare you. It did, well, it obviously did. enough to get under the bed. But then I just mm. woke up and thought, and got on with it the yeah. next day. And then the, my boss, when I went in, he said, "Oh, was the airport okay?" <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, what? <laughs> what? Honestly, where was he? He was English as well. Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, there we go. Yes, Those, these things happen. So yes, I had I've had some amazing well, Madagascar. What um, was that? Nigeria. What was, a, what was one of the best countries that you've ever been to? Well, uh, when I was single, I really enjoyed Angola, even though it's really, really difficult. We didn't very often we didn't have water, so we'd all go in sort of you know with lots of anti pee on. Um, there was anti pee. What's anti, anti perspirant? Oh, and we'd all sort of, you know, look at each other and say, D did you have water? Or, and, and actually we had a flea infestation in the, uh, oh. in the embassy. And, yeah. and I ended up with dengue fever. And it was all sort of... But the people I met there, it's always the way. We're so lucky, so privileged to meet all these... Every posting we've been in is just to meet such wonderful people. I've, I've been so... We've both been really privileged. And we've always tried to give a bit back, so that's why Nick does the Duke of Edinburgh Golf here. He's raised about 150000 I think, for the children of Gibraltar while we've been here. And I've done 
a little bit for Cancer Research UK by my little walk around Gibraltar. Yes, we'll talk about that. Yeah, and you know, we just try to because help people. Yeah, because you've you done so that all a, yes, yeah. all along. Tried to do it everywhere we've been. <laughs> we've tried to had a little set up a little charity in Nairobi. It's called uh, So Tom So. That was after we lost it. Uh, we had a stillbirth in Barbados. Oh. Yeah, so we so tried to do. You're something. talking about obviously married life with yeah. Nick. Thank you for this opportunity to be part of this amazing podcast that is showcasing the wonderful women in our community. GYPSAMS stands for supporting those who are in an emotional distress. We are part of this fantastic community and over the last five years you have shown your love and generosity towards us as a community and this needs to continue. We have lots of awareness raising projects in the pipeline for 2023 and the volunteering is just one aspect that you can be part of our community. So if you would like to give up three hours of your week to be part of our listening team then you can apply at volunteer at gypsams.gi and help us help the community remember it's okay not to be okay and that gypsams is here for you every night of the week from 6 p.m to 11 p.m when did you meet nick and where on the on the this is the naughty streak coming out of me. <coughs> I was had this nine months of training, and I'd, I'd sort of about eight weeks of it, and I was a little bit, I don't know, sort of not bored, but I just wanted to sort of get it Something over and done with. Yeah, so I ended up early, arriving on a, a beginning of a course early, and I, I w- saw that I was put right at the front of the class. They probably knew I should be at the front of the class. <laughs> And actually, so I moved my name and put myself right at the back of the class <laughs> and some, somebody else had to sit at the front. And uh, I put myself next to Nick. Without inadvertently? Yeah. And so oh. anyway, and then he, um, him and I were both in relationships that probably weren't working at that time. We became very good friends. He went off to Saudi Arabia for three years and I went to do my floating. And then... He floated towards you. Well, it was very. It was a really interesting story, actually. Well, for for us, um, I was in Madagascar due to go to Sierra Leone, and the person that I was working with had an accident. Um, he actually stabbed himself when he was rehearsing "Who Killed Ten Little Indians" or something, and I was due to leave. And the ambassador said, "You you, you have to stay." And that day, I had a letter in the bag from Nick saying, why don't you come up to Saudi to float? We've got a gap. And from the the guy that was supposed to go to Saudi saying he didn't really want to go, because they didn't like ladies going... They didn't mm. And so I went off to Saudi and I was with Nick, all because my colleague stabbed himself. Otherwise, I'd have gone off to Sierra Leone. So, and then we were we got together. That was it. And, and, then, you, it. and, then, and then you moved around. Mm. Um, did you carry on working? Mm. Mm, I carried on, I carried on But floating. did you have the same postings as him? Well, not for the next few years. So he stayed in Saudi and I uh, I carried on doing different postings. And then I was back in London in HR where I did my qualification. And then he came back. We had five years in London, got married, and then we went to Sri Lanka together, both, on, uh, both working. Right. Uh, and then it was <clears throat> Sri Lanka... How was that? How was Sri Lanka? Oh, amazing. I think if, if looking at postings, the Sri Lankans are just amazing people. It was difficult. Um, we had a terrorist 
we had bombs there in Colombo. Brits were advised not to stay in Colombo at the time. Um, Prince Charles came to visit, which was amazing. Did you meet uh, him? Yes, I did. I did. And I how was he like? He was absolutely super. Was he? Well, I should say King Charles. Now he was made everybody feel very welcome. It was just after. It was wasn't long after. Um, it was stuff in the press about Camilla and everything, and he he just he was amazing. He really mm. was. Um, do you think he'll be a good king? I do. He's very mm. genuine, very really wants to to do the right thing. I think, yeah, incredible. Incredible. Um So you lived in Sri Lanka and then We went to and Barbados. Then where, where, where would your were your kids born? Uh all in the UK because oh, uh but that's not very exciting. Yeah, I know. Uh, well they um just before we went to Sri Lanka we had Will and then we were in Sri Lanka when I was pregnant with Lizzie, but we we the, they consider the NHS. They look at to, to see if local conditions are the same as the NHS, and if they're not, then they oh. want you to go back. Right. So, safe, so we went yeah. back. So, um, and then um, Thomas, unfortunately, who we lost, was I actually had him in Barbados. Um, yeah. But then uh, Chris, our youngest, we had him in the UK. We we had to go back. There's no choice. So um, yes. So. Yeah, we went to Barbados for five years. Um, that's where our British consul got involved with the... Pri- well, had 30 prisoners to visit. Wow. Yeah, they're mostly there. Rewarding? Yeah. The, the things that you've done, what are the most rewarding things that you've done along the way? Probably the consular side of things, when you're actually helping people in distress. I'm thinking um, certainly as duty officer, as a consular role, um, trying to help people at their lowest and yeah. just being a friendly, you know, trying to help them through. We had quite a few bereavements in Barbados. Um, there was a rapist as well that was around, and, the, you know, several ladies got raped. It was awful. Dreadful. And, mm-hmm. you know, just being there for people. And we lost um, some people in the embassy, the staff as well. So it was... But And I think with the prisoners, listening to them and hearing their story and... and Finding out why they'd got themselves into the situations that they had, usually because they were vulnerable, uh, particularly mm. the ladies. And I think that's why when I became a teacher, that's why I went and taught in a prison. So I think the two things, suddenly, I saw an advert, would you like to teach in a prison? I thought, yeah, actually, yes, I would. And, um, and you went for it. Where yeah, was that? That was in Send, mm. yeah, near Guildford. So, oh, in England? Yes, yeah, so okay. I spent two years going to doing prison. supply, yeah, going into the prison. What's that like? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I had my little big black belt with my chain, mm. my keys. I was mm. always very pleased to lock the doors behind and get out at the end of the day, though. But but did you feel you were, you were you know, doing something really re- positive and I did. I, I mean, I think there were days when I, you know, it was a struggle because we had lessons for three and a half hours. And we had no IT, and it was difficult. But I remember a particular maths lesson when these ladies, this one particular lady, really didn't want to be in my maths lesson well, for three I and a half hours. Well, I probably wouldn't have wanted I to know, be in a maths lesson really, either. She really didn't want to be in it. <laughs> and I could hear do? her coming down the corridor, and the swear words were oh, quite something. And, and then she, you know... Anyway, so she eventually sat down, and we were doing percentages. <laughs> and she said... She was like, I know how to do this. And I said, oh, you know, have a go on the board. I was thinking, oh, dear, As you do. I'm really scared. Yeah. And uh, she said, listen, I know how to do percentages. I'm an effing drug dealer. 
<laughs> so I thought, oh yes, maybe you do and measurement as well. <laughs> so, so it was quite. But mm. actually, getting helping uh, some of those ladies who'd never had a formal education get through their their English and their maths exams, their sort of you know city and guilds and uh, teaching. English to speakers of other languages there, and seeing their faces when they got a certificate was just incredible. And a I'm lot sure. of them had just made mistakes. Mm. There were a couple like the lady I've just spoken about that, you know, yeah, uh, she'd Wrong. made a choice. But mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of them had had made mistakes. So mm. um, or, or difficult upbringings yes, or whatever. Definitely, definitely. It's a shame. So, have you been back to some of these countries since you've? No, I haven't. Ended up here. No, so, we haven't actually been back um, to any of the... Um, no, sorry, we went back to Sri Lanka about 10 years after. It was a big difference. <clears throat> and mm. how did you end up in Gibraltar? Well, we were in Botswana, um, and Nick was the High Commissioner there, and uh, it coincided with the time when my both my parents died within about nine weeks of each other, and uh, the children were teenagers, and we just thought we love Africa, but we just thought it's too far too far away so we wanted to come try and get a posting back in Africa I saw it in Europe and um, so Nick applied and um, for the post of deputy governor yes he did yes and he was it was before Covid and it was before Brexit so <laughs> so when, by the time he'd arrived I think it was it's been very different yeah yeah, yeah. and that was and quite difficult over actually. six years he spent almost six years here in the end we were due to leave after four and um and then you could extend for a fifth, so that we we decided to do that. And then, um, for various reasons, we were here you're for almost here. six. And you're still here. I'm still. We're still here. I'm. I'm te- still teaching, and you know, and I'm um, trying to decide because Nick retired last week, and I'm just oh, trying last to decide. Week. Yeah, the end of September. So what September, are you going to do? You're going to stay? Two weeks ago. Did he really? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what we're going to do. We love it here. You like it here. We like the people. Mm. Um, but we also love being in the UK, and we sent the dog and everything back. Oh, you there. have? Yeah. I was going to ask you about the dog. So I've seen you walking. Well, not recently, but when you were doing your your side hustle of of charity work, tell me about that. It was quite a <laughs> quite a thing. So what did you set yourself to do? Well, I uh, there's I decided to there's an app that you can go on and you can walk to do different walks. And as we were sort of locked down in Gibraltar, I decided that I was going to try and do the um, virtual Land's End to John O'Groats. And it started off that I was just going to try and do it for myself. And a friend of mine introduced me to it. And we did a lot of walking together. And then a few people said, well, I'll sponsor you. So I thought, okay. So I thought, uh, cancer research, both my parents died of cancer. So I thought, I'll do it for cancer research. And I ended up... It was a bit of a struggle, but I lost yeah. lots of weight. I know you were super skinny. <laughs> I, I remember seeing you in your shorts and your dog at all hours, rain, shine, summer, blazing, whatever. I know. So you were, how, how much did you walk? Oh, well, it's, uh, I think it's 1,089 miles. But I did it over a couple of months. I mean, I couldn't do it, but yeah. sometimes I was doing sort of... I walked to Alcadessa a few times and back. Mm. Um but it was exhausting. But towards the end, I needed to get it done before it started to get really hot, and it wasn't fair on poor the Carbo. No. <laughs> I think he was fed up by the time that he was, you know, sort of, not another walk, Mum. 
But uh, we did it. Mm. We raised a couple of thousand pounds for cancer research, and that was good. Really good. good. And And I lost loads of weight, which was even better. (laughs) But you you weren't big anyway, but still, you you became a bit healthier. Yes, I did. So that's good. I did. I would say to everybody, go for a walk. Yeah, walking is great. And now what's your next adventure? Well, I don't know yet, really. I keep wanting to go to... I want to go to South America. I want to do a trip around there with a rucksack. Um, I don't know when I'll do that, but that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to carry on teaching. I've just trained to be a hypnotherapist, which have I you? find fascinating. Have you? So do yes. I. Yes. So do I. Yeah. I've been delving into that oh. world as well. Well, not so much hypnotherapy, but meditation. Oh. And um, I've been going to yoga and doing my breathing. Good for you. It's very good. It mm. really does work. Mm. I mean, it changes the chemicals in your brain instantly. Mm. The mm. deep breathing, the in for seven, out for 11 exactly. or whatever. Exactly. So what, do you, what is your hypnotherapy? What are you learning? Well, I'm now, I've done the course. I used to keep going back to the UK. I'm all about what you've just said, really. Mm. And actually, you know, hypnotherapy isn't about clicking your fingers and, mm. you know, you're going to waddle around like a duck or anything like that. It's just being in a state where your unconscious mind takes over your conscious mind. Just as if you were watching a film or a good book and you're really believing in it. You're really... And then, you know, if somebody can suggest things to you and you can really take them on. I was able to uh, help somebody give up smoking for my for one of my students that wow. yeah so i think she'd been smoking for about 30 40 years and she hasn't smoked since so so i felt very proud of that and i was able to help somebody fly because they couldn't fly so there is there's something about it it's not going to work for everybody it's not mm. going to work for everybody but it is it's a good thing it's worth Great. a go worth a go yeah. Fantastic. Mm. Well, it's been really nice to chat to you. We're nearly done half an hour. I wanted to ask, tell me who you look up to. Uh, my, well, my mum. I wish I'd... I, I, I didn't realise how much she'd done for me until it was too late, really. I wish I'd told her that. I'm sure she uh, knows. Yeah, I hope, yeah. So, I hope she did, yeah. And I think somebody like Princess Anne, I think she just gets on with it, you know, doesn't... She's not one to try and get on into the papers all the time. She does her job. She's professional. She's a hard, hard worker, you know, and she just does the right thing. And mm. she's obviously a family person too, a great family person. And I think somebody like that, there are various people along the way in the Foreign Office. Um, Ed Davis, we loved him. Uh, Who was the, a governor yeah, here. Yeah. He, he was, was lovely. He, he was incredible. Um, you know, so there were, there were a few people along the way that... but. I would say if it for ladies, I would say probably my mum and Princess Anne. That's mm, really nice. Mm, mm. Lovely. It's been really nice to chat. Thank you for giving up your time mm. and for doing this podcast. No, thank you for we'll, interviewing we'll look me. Out for you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Women Rising, a series of talks where I've chatted to fabulous and inspirational women exclusively about their lives and their losses, their struggles and their successes, and their contribution to this world where they are empowering others and making a huge difference in our community. Thanks must go to my producer, Charlie Hurst, for putting this podcast together. Catch him at soundunit.co.uk. And a huge thank you also to Beatrice Garcia, who has designed and painted the podcast icon. She's at BeatriceGarcia.com.
Should you like to advertise your business on my podcast, please get in touch and please like and rate the show on your favorite listening platform and comment also if you can. And should you want to get in touch with me, my email is rougejib at gmail.com.